knew they were in trouble as soon as Kvaratskhelia got one-on-one -on -one with the defender. Kvaratskhelia! You can see why they started calling him Kvaratskhelia. This is Conversations about Eastern Europe. Today I speak with Ekaterin Simakuritsa, who works in the public sector in Georgia. And of course, she is also a Georgian. And she's actually from one of the areas in Georgia that is right now occupied by Russia. And I'm very glad to finally post a conversation with someone who is not from Ukraine. It's not that I wouldn't love to just post endless conversations with people from Ukraine, but I don't really think there is a doubt about where we stand on Ukraine. So it's also nice to be able to tell the Georgian story. So enjoy the conversation. Here we go. Welcome to a conversation with E. E. Katerin Simakuritsa. Right. Is that all right? From Georgia. This will be a conversation about Georgia, which I have been looking forward to do a lot because I've been spoke, I've been uh, speaking with a lot of Ukrainians and also with a lot of Danish people talking about Eastern Europe. So it's about time that I also talk about Georgia also because I know that there is a lot of things going on in Georgia right now, which, which to me seem to be something that could have a pretty historical impact as well. Not maybe at the same scale as in Ukraine, but also pretty historically, um, I think. But I think you will, of course, talk about that and you will also present yourself very soon. I just want to say a few words about the project that I'm doing and about this conversation series, conversations about Eastern Europe. So when it became clear to me that Russia would launch a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. I think I felt a responsibility as someone who studies political science and has been writing about Ukraine in an academic perspective as well, also when I was younger, and as someone who had always been very politically active. I just think that combination of who, of what I've been doing led to me feeling this political indignation and responsibility. First and foremost, to watch Ukraine, but that also developed as I was following the, the war in Ukraine to a responsibility and a political indignation I felt for the whole region. Because to me, if anything connects, uh, connects uh, Georgia, Ukraine, Moldova and maybe also in the future Belarus. It is this very strong wish from the populations there to join the democratic free European family. And I want to participate in that, in that struggle. And I want to get other people to know more about that struggle. And I want to be, get smarter and talk with people like you. So let me now give the word to you and have you explain what you're doing and maybe a bit about what your background is. So yeah, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My name is Ekaterina Tsimakuritze, uh, in short Eka. Um, I originally come from uh, uh, Russian-occupied 
Abhazeti. Uh, it, it was back in the 90s. Um, I was a child by then, but uh, uh, since, uh, since then, and I was internally displaced. I am still internally displaced person in my own country. Uh, since then, uh, the war also happened in 2008, uh, a Russian invasion uh, in Georgia, and then uh, it uh, it's never-ending creeping occupation, I would say something like very silent occupation um, of Georgian territories by Russian gov- uh, Russian state. So it's a, it's a reality in which I've been living uh, throughout the uh, whole of my life and um, more so uh, Georgian people uh, historically as well as uh, currently, we all live in this reality where Russia is occupying our territories, influencing, trying to influence our everyday lives uh, with propaganda and everything. So um, uh, this is um, the, the background, but um, then... Um, by, by my profession is a, a lawyer. I'm a lawyer by profession, and uh, um, I um, uh, I worked for public uh, sector on several public uh, public positions, and then I decided um, uh, to move to civil society organization, civil society sector, um, where I um, actually started my um, law career. Uh, and uh, now, um, now I am uh, heading um, the um, local um, civil society organization, which is uh, promoting democracy, works for uh, promotion of democracy in Georgia. Uh, it, and um, this is uh, the organization which I, with my several other colleagues, uh, established uh, and um, uh, we work uh, on uh, ma- mainly on. Uh, um, monitoring uh, as well as researching and uh, um, this is the initiative with which uh, which tries to help to develop democracy in Georgia and we are involved in different ways uh, in these uh, efforts now I think I will have uh, more time lately to speak about uh, what um, what drove me to uh, to civil society um, because context is very important in general, and I, 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 I think I will talk about it a bit later um, in more details. But context is that, um, yeah, somehow um, in order to in order to achieve changes, uh, um, the right place uh, is not uh, to be in a public sector, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And. I also just wanna, before I comment a bit on that, say that um, we are very, we are very grateful, me and my producer, that you wanted to participate already tonight. Although you are doing a pretty intensive program right now as a part of your work, which is, um, you told me that you also respected the concept that we are working after, which is the consistency is key concept for us about this voluntary work we are doing to promote Eastern European democratic development. And so thanks a lot for that. And let's uh, then talk a little bit about some of the 
stuff you said in the end about the struggle for Georgian democracy. And um, although you said that in that working in the, but it, so I just want to hear you explain with um, with your words, like how the work that you're doing monitoring um, and checking and studying all these things that you are working with, how do you think this work relates to the Georgian struggle for democracy, freedom and dignity, which is what I would say the, the broader yeah, Eastern European struggle actually is? Yeah, since, since we're talking uh, from uh, European perspective in general and uh, we work uh, in different areas, uh, uh, Georgia's strives to become a member of European family. Uh, we uh, frequently uh, have to deal with uh, the uh, introduction of European standards in Georgia and their implementation, which is a really difficult uh, work uh, to do. Um, uh, and um, you always... Maybe, maybe you can just explain the, the work environment with the government you have right now in Georgia. Um, and then you just quickly and then move on because I think that's a pretty important thing for the listeners to understand here in the beginning. Yes, um, uh, right now Georgia is um, in a historic moment of uh, uh, prospective to become candidate member of the European Union, which uh, was not uh, um, as a uh, um, which was not a matter of uh, fact during so many years, although Georgia strived to become a member of the European uh, family. Um, it, uh, we did have, we do have association agreement, but uh, uh, this setting of uh, um, application to EU, official uh, legal application to the EU to become member and then all these legal procedures um, that are ongoing, this is the first time that Georgia is in this situation and uh, we are, uh, we have this very major moment for our country to really achieve what we have been uh, striving for, um, I don't know, many years and even centuries. Um, and uh, in this situation, uh, uh, it's uh, we see that my organization, as well as many others, uh, see really um, uh, it, it very important to participate in all the processes that is uh, taking place in Georgia regarding, for example, those 12 priorities that Georgia was assigned by the uh, European Commission. And uh, although the uh, environment um, of uh, cooperating with uh, uh, state institutions uh, is not very friendly, or um, we don't see that they uh, consider uh, many of our suggestions, and uh, it's uh, it's not about um, uh, what we that we think that whatever we suggest it should um, necessarily be taken into account. But it's uh, the um, approach of the government of the ruling party that they uh, somehow oppose the reforms, which. Uh, which should not be the case in this very important moment for Georgia, but this is the reality we as a civil society organizations face um, 
And uh, uh, but uh, despite all of this, despite very unfriendly environment, uh, we uh, uh, we have to deal with uh, during this um, efforts. Um, we still uh, try to um, provide as much. Uh, um as much um, maybe expertise and uh, um our uh, suggestions uh, as possible um and uh, remain in the process for the sake of democracy for the sake of uh, the um, outcome we want to have from this process um and um yes to answer your question this is uh, the reality and the situation in which we have to deal uh with uh, these very important issues there are really multiple protests um, have been uh, since um, russian war has started in ukraine uh, and um we um, you know we are in this uh, working formats and then at the same time we uh take to the streets uh, because um, it, the ne- negotiations and the uh, democratic procedure um, unfortunately does not work in Georgia. For, for this particular government does not work. Democracy is in the street, I would say, in the streets. So when uh, people are uh, protesting, we saw it um, in, uh, initially. I shall say that uh, even... Uh, um the, the submission to become a member official submission to become a member of the European Union which was made by the government of Georgia was um as a result of our really in, uh, vocal protest uh in the streets in front of the parliament and then everything uh, else that uh, happened important on this way if any uh, was uh, the result of uh, our street protests and it's so obvious that uh, civil society uh, is um is somehow uh, on one hand driving uh, the process but on the other hand um on the other hand preventing um as much as we can, preventing um, something bad uh, from happening. Um, and um, yes, this is the reality where it's um, it's very strange. It should it's not uh, right. It's wrong, but it's the reality when uh, the government, current government, opposes uh, a civil society in general and particularly also civil society organizations. Uh, in uh, their efforts to really get uh, to the membership of the European Union, which is so vital for Georgia, taking our um, taking uh, into account our uh, geographical geopolitical situation. Mm-hmm. And just before I, uh, because I really want to ask a follow up question about the demonstrations that we saw around three months ago now, almost maybe right. Um, so before I, uh, I go to that, I just want to say to the listeners also that we have a, a time frame because of uh, your program and because I'm starting a new work this week. So we will maybe cut the conversation and then this will be a part one with me and Ekaterin. And then we will do a second part when we uh, have time again, probably within, within a month. Um, so, so if we cut it, uh, at some point, we will of course say it before, but then just remember this will only be the part one. 
Um, but I just want to, yeah, so about these massive demonstrations we saw around three months three months ago in Tbilisi. So as I understand it, I also spoke with an activist actually called Miriam, but we uh, we didn't get to finish our conversation and she hasn't reached out to me since. I think it's because she does so much voluntary work with also the demonstrations and stuff like that. So I get that, um, but I want to talk with her one more time before I post that. That was also right when I was starting. It was around three months ago, but she was telling me that these protests were against this law proposal by the government that would have marked any organizations working, uh, no, that would have marked any organizations inside Georgia who receives more than 20% of their funds abroad, no, from, from organizations abroad. So let's say an organization in Georgia is funded, it, that it is very technical, but let's say that more than 20% of the money that they are receiving to do their work comes from outside Georgia, then if that proposal would have been yeah, passed through in the government, then all these organizations would have been marked as agents, which I understood from her. Agents doesn't really mean the same thing in Georgian as it does in English. So can you just explain, elaborate uh, a bit on what I'm talking about here? and explain what actually happened around three months ago in Tbilisi and in Georgia, because I think it was something that in West Western media, we covered it, and then we just moved on to whatever next subject that would take the time in the news and in the general media. So yeah, can you just um, elaborate on that? And yeah, also get te get technical if you want to. Okay. Um, well, th this was a really uh, very uh, important um, for the civil society moment, but um, also a very sad moment for the country because it drags us back uh, and um, it, it uh, hinders Georgia from getting to our main goal to become full full fledged uh, part of the uh, developed west so, so to say uh, this was a law um, labeling all the organizations uh, getting funds uh, uh, on for development projects uh, and other initiatives from uh, foreign organizations and uh, foreign entities uh, and we would be labeled as a foreign agent which uh, which is not simply just an agent of somebody uh, or something. It's an agent uh, uh, which acts uh, against its own country, against uh, uh, its own country's national interests. That is the understanding of foreign agent in Georgia. And I think... So is it, so, sorry, is it, is it what I would understood as someone who is labeled as a national traitor? Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, it's something like treason, somebody committing treason, um, and uh, this this would be really devastating for Georgian um, vocal and very active civil society. 
And that was the aim of this uh, law exactly, uh, because um, um, even even if we uh, we say uh, even if we uh, um, count that the government uh, had this uh, as they explained as they had, they wanted to start talking about transparency of um, uh, civil society organizations. Even if that was true, the timing was so wrong. Um, if you are uh, a, a government which really wants to uh, get candidate status in the very nearest future, um, it's it's just uh, something that you should not be doing, right? Uh, but of course, nobody believes um, already at this point, especially that um, Georgian Dream uh, is um, uh, is um, a government which really wants to, um, which is really pro-European. Um, maybe uh, maybe there were times when. Uh, some would think that, well, Georgian dream is nor pro-European nor um, Russian, pro-Russian. They are just uh, whatever they are, uh, somewhere in the middle. But uh, now I think everybody got after, exactly, especially after this law. But there were some other important occasions uh, um, proving that Georgian government uh, acts uh, in favor of Russian interests. Um but this law was really uh, for, I would say, broader public, for um, almost everyone, was a clear sign that uh, um, everything that is European, everything that is uh, uh, democratic would be destroyed with this law. Um, there were arguments that, um, well, uh, United States has the similar law and other democratic countries uh, do, but um, as soon as we got into details, um, it became very clear that, um, um, that those laws in democratic countries, first of all, are all very different content and implemented very differently as well. Uh, whereas uh, Russia has uh, the similar law since 2012, uh, and uh, it is implemented in a way which then allowed civil society organizations to be just shut down uh, in Russia. Um, so um, that was the... Uh, serious problem with this law uh, which took so many people to streets and I remember with um, us protesting uh, and um, the, um, the, there were different uh, um, anti-protest um, um, anti-protest tools used including gas uh, and um, from my personal experience uh, it, it was uh, um, First, uh, first um, reaction you have uh, when you are suffocating, you know, uh, you want to leave, right? And uh, were you uh, there also and suffocating? Yes, of course, because and uh, by the way, it should be mentioned that uh, there, when when uh, I um, uh, I uh, was in that situation when I came to the, to, to the protest, um, there was no. Um, uh, Violence or something, anything like that. So to um, uh, for the government be eligible to use that much force. Yeah. So the point is that uh, sorry. The point is that it was the government who started violence against a peaceful 
demonstration. Yes. Right, yeah. And I, I think because I think yeah, that's just important. Yes, yes, yes. Because um I am right now I am talking about my own experience, what I saw my with my own eyes and felt with my um myself. So um there, there was it was peaceful. It was quiet at the protest. There were still not that many people uh, when they, um, uh, they they when they had this gas out. And um, uh, I remember first thing you what you do you you need to leave because you are suffocating, right? And then we went to um, uh, nearby streets. Um, and as soon as uh, we had this um, fresh air um, that the breath came back and uh, then uh, it was like we are not leaving uh, we are going back uh, whereas uh, in um, previous years uh, during even previous government and uh, afterwards if something like that would happen uh, the uh, the uh, protest would be dissolved, uh, but uh, in this, but this time we went back somehow. Nobody, nobody told us. Nobody instructed us. We just had this feeling. As soon as we started breathing, we went back, and then again the gas was there, and then again. So uh, the, um, this shows the um, uh, genuine, uh, uh, genuine protest that was there, and. Uh, uh, real, really, people uh, wanted to uh, make uh, government understand that this is not uh, something that you do to your own people. Um, since then, uh, you know, uh, even during those times when the law was uh, under uh, uh, underway, and uh, afterwards, uh, even though they had to, uh, they had to. Um, uh, they they uh, they still again voted uh, now against the the law was the, the bill was voted into law initially but then the parliament was forced um, based on those uh, protests to vote again uh, now against the law uh, but uh, um, but the government and um, uh, high level officials did not uh, stop uh, using this uh, argument that uh, uh, CSOs, uh, civil society organizations are not transparent enough, uh, they are foreign agents and they are uh, following political causes and things like that. So um, they continued to um, disperse among society this idea that uh, we are foreign agents. Um, so they, they were committed to this idea, not on, on not only during the lawmaking, but also afterwards too. Uh, but uh, this did not work. That's why I said initially that uh, it's civil society um, exactly which uh, either pushes for some progressive uh, steps uh, um, to be taken by the government or uh, or made, makes sure that uh, something really very wrong does not happen. Mm -hmm. And moving on from yeah, uh, so but, but I just want to um, yeah, first of all, comment a bit about about what happened and how I would put it into a Western European perspective, which is pretty difficult because something like what happened in Georgia would just never happen here because 
a government would never do anything which the population of any country in the Western democratic family would ever show such will against as the, the Georgians against that proposal. And to me, this just goes to show to us, our part of the world, how strong the will in the population of Georgia to move towards a democratic European future is. And besides that, it also shows that when the people gets together and goes out to the streets and when they use their collective political influence and take that power, it does actually work. At least it did in Georgia. And I just think that is something we should take into our considerations when we do work promoting democracy, freedom, and dignity across the world. Because I think, and this is not to criticize anyone, but I think sometimes we kind of forget where our essential focus should be so that we kind of spread out our effort too much and we go into too many different countries, we go into maybe too many different subjects, which although all those things being important also in the broader democratic struggle in the world, I just think that we sometimes lack some attention and some effort and some will when it comes to participating in, for example, Georgia. And I, I think, and this is not to um, paint a totally bleak picture, but I think what we saw in Tbilisi three months ago kind of reminded a little bit about what the Ukrainians did back in 2013-14 when, and back then what happened was, and this is going to be a bit nuanced, um, but just to um, to put it also into a historical, what is the struggle for freedom in Eastern Europe context? And what happened in Ukraine in, yeah, back in 13-14 was that they were about to sign a historic trade association deal with the EU, which would be an agreement that would have put Ukraine forward in their effort to become a part of EU. But as the Ukrainian president back then, Viktor Yanukovych, was about to sign that law in Tallinn, I think. In um, do, do you remember where it was? It, I, I think when it, it's okay, it's not that important, but he was about to sign that um, agreement in, uh, I think it was a capital in Balticum. And right before, actually, on the night that he was supposed to sign it, which everybody expected, he then decided all of a sudden not to sign it. And, and um, that was just something that the Ukrainians went to the street to protest against. And he also, 
the president back then, like the Georgian party was trying to do, he also used force, violent force to crack down upon the protesters in Ukraine when they were only peacefully protesting. And obviously all that um, had a much uh, broader development and a much more violent development. Um, I think because of the nature of Ukraine and Russia, and yeah, so so in that way it, it is different. But I think that the similarity is that in Georgia, it was also a proposal or yeah, a law proposal that ended up creating these these um, protests and and violence and it was also a law, a law proposal that was related to whether or not the country that the law was proposed in would whether or not that country would get closer or further away from embarking on their journey to become a part of the broader European democratic family. The difference is, if we get very technical about the law, is that in Georgia, it was a law that would have taken Georgia further away from that dream, whereas in, and that was then not passed after the protest, whereas in Ukraine, it was uh, the neglection of signing a law that would have taken Ukraine further into their path to become a European democratic family. And I think those situations are just very similar. And what is also very similar about these two situations is that the political manifestation of extreme will by the population to embark on a democratic European journey in both cases actually ended up with the democratic result, with a victory for the protesters. And of course, in both cases, that struggle is also far from one. But I think at least you will uh, also agree with me in the fact that this was a victory in the end for the um, for the protesters. At least that this law was not signed. So, so I just think that these things are so so important to understand when we when we decide where we want to put our effort and aim um, with with the power that we have in this struggle. So yeah, I don't know if you want to comment a bit uh, of what I just said there. There is um, two points I would like to make. Um, absolutely, this was uh, a major uh, win, uh, victory of uh, the civil society at that point. But uh, uh, in the first uh, place, uh, they should uh, have not should should not uh, this law. Uh, um, been uh, adopted in the first place because uh, there was no need of such law. Uh, transparency laws uh, in different um, regulations are in place uh, in, in, for Georgian civil society organizations as well as media. Um, as you know, this law would cover media outlets as well, which is even even more uh, brutal, <laughs> brutal thing. Um, uh, and uh, um, um that's why it uh, uh, it was a so uh, obviously pro russian move that uh, um there, there was no uh, 
uh, any requirement or um, accession requirement or anything uh, in order for government to introduce such law. Uh, and the, the only thing, the only outcome that law could have uh, was um, uh, only negative outcome, only only hindering the integration process. And another thing is, um, yes. Um, um it was a victory um although although like uh, somehow uh, artificially um artificially brought uh, to the table uh, uh, this um uh, discussions around this law um still it was um a major victory of civil society uh, and uh, um uh, this is the reason why uh, we uh, frequently say that uh, democracy starts uh, uh, from uh, from the civil society from uh, bottom to up, so to say. Uh, and uh, you need to have more support to civil society if you want to develop democracy in the country. Um, the, uh, the development projects take different approaches, right? And it's uh, frequently helping government and it's it's not bad. It's Nothing is uh, uh, wrong with it. But uh, um, the civil society and civil society organizations should be getting more support. I don't mean only financial support. Because, you know, in countries like Georgia, which could not be the case uh, in a in uh, developed democracies, uh, civil society is uh, financed only uh, from uh, international donors uh, and um, strategic partner countries. Um, there is no internal uh, internal sources of finance financing the civil society efforts. Uh, but uh, also, it's not about financial support, but also support. For um, so that we get to uh, all major and important discussions, and those discussions are even more meaningful for us and for uh, all everyone who is participating in those discussions. Street protests take place when uh, the discussions um, does not make any sense. Uh, no longer make any sense. You know, we try. Uh, we uh, see that nothing works, uh, and uh, usually discussions are uh, held just for the sake of discussions and not for uh, not to achieve any agreements. And uh, you understand in these discussions why the, I say that uh, the situation in Georgia is and Eastern European countries and. This why our situations are peculiar because uh, we are post-communist um, uh, post-communist countries and governments are not um, uh, democratically um, thinking governments and uh, they uh, they already have made their decisions when uh, they are coming to those discussions. So participation does not. Uh, uh, have that much power to decide on major issues, and then you take to the streets. Uh, that's why the first of first is financial support, but very important is also uh, to help uh, civil society organizations to become more stronger. Maybe with conditionalities or, or different uh, tools to uh, require from the government. Uh, 
to include, to uh, engage civil society organizations and activists in in those uh, discussions and to to consider the suggestions and demands of uh, broader public. Um, that uh, uh, that should be the focus. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, one hundred percent agree with what you're saying there. Uh, I think that I want to make one last comment, which is the Western perspective, so to say, as we were also talking a bit about before we started the recording, that it would be great if you could get share the story of Georgians and Georgia for my listeners to learn about what's happening in Georgia. And then it, I think it would be great. Yeah, as you said, uh, we think it would be great also if I talk a bit about what I think the the Western perspective is about these matters. And before I get into it, I just want to say that I am pretty critical of the governments in the West and their will to actually deal with the situation in Eastern Europe. And I think that some people may say right now that we are showing a lot of attention towards Eastern Europe and towards the countries in Eastern Europe. And I think that is true, but I think simply saying that neglects the fact that the only reason, at least I think, that it is that way is because of what happened in Ukraine and because of how Ukraine responded to the full-scale invasion. So I think actually it's more a case where you can say that it is not by the collective effort of us to understand what is going on. That's not the reason why we are so attentive towards this region. The, The reason is that things are happening right now in that region, which we simply cannot stray away from. Although some people here maybe would like to talk about other stuff. And it, it is it is in no way to say, uh, let me just be clear, be, be clear about that. It is in no way to say that there is not a political will to help Georgia and Ukraine in becoming European democratic societies and a part of our family. But it is just to say that I think that right now, in 2023, the the Western world, the political climate in the Western world, is not as how how could you say it? Um, it is not as conducive of democratic development in, for example, Georgia as it were in the yeah actually even uh, during the the Cold War and also in the 90s and in the yeah, zeros. So, so I think that we also have a responsibility to show even more focus towards this stuff, to be even more steadfast in our support, and to be even more willing to use our time and energy to promote the process of Georgia, Ukraine, Moldova, and Belarus also in the end in becoming members of the EU and the free free democratic world. So so I think that we just have to learn from what you're saying that what is the case in Georgia is not what we may think. So I think it goes like this. I think we sometimes tend to put the rest of the world that is not our world in the same boxes 
so that we would say Georgia is a totally um, different country than Denmark. Ukraine is a very, very different different country than Denmark. And so, okay, let me put it like this. Um, a country, it could be like an African country where we would say that country is also very different from Denmark. And then it seems to me sometimes that our intellectual capability just stops at that point where we're just then in the collective understanding things that Ukraine and Georgia is cases that, that is kind of similar to cases in the rest of the world. And I, I just need to say that that's not the case at all because and before I say this, let me just say that I strongly believe that every single country in the world and every population in the world have the possibility to become societies where dignity prevails and where peace prevails in the end. Because I think that the the human nature is to want freedom and is to want to say what you want and do and do what you want. Um, it's it's all about how you actually uh, manage to institutionalize your the governing power in a society in a way in, in which promotes those kind of societies that's a very very big question and way way too big to um, to to dwell into here but the point is that we have to understand that the wish in the Georgian population for a democratic society is very very strong and shared by a very large majority of the Georgians. So this is actually a case where we could say, all right, what just happened in Tbilisi, what happened was that so many people like you decided to put their own life actually at stake um, ultimately by um, going through those suffocations and by going through that fear that it must have been um, yeah, it, it must have have been connected with a certain fear from your side to keep going to those protests. And when a population so shows such a will to embark on a democratic journey, I think we just need to respond to it. First of all, we need to respond to it um, within the like organizational and institutional work that we are doing to promote democracies that could be in this um, NGO in Denmark or any civil organization and I know that I, I'm not the one to tell anyone what to do this is just my opinion I think we should be putting way more attention and way more effort into these regions because they are actually the, the regions w which have populations which have shown a will that actually to me requires a, a stronger re um, yeah, response from um, from our side so that's the um, that's how the yeah the the what you could call kind of civil society in Denmark and the like the the, the NGOs and so on how I think they should react. But I think ultimately the most important thing is that we dare to take into our foreign policy um, that we take into account when we do our foreign policy that all right, in Georgia, there is actually a very strong wish to become a part of the democratic family of Europe. Maybe we should put into our foreign policy that if it were to be that a government in Georgia, which shares the values that we do, 
came into being, and that's not the Georgian dream, of course. Um, but if a government came into being that supports our values, that we would then extend our uh, security guarantees to a country like that. And I think Georgia is such a case where our, yeah, where our government, our foreign ministry actually could go out and say, it is our wish to grant what could become a government in Georgia that shares our values. It is our, it is our policy that such a government should have a European, uh, yeah, security guarantee. And I know this, this also goes on to the grander political level. And in that case, you have to take into consideration Russia and so on. But I think just the wording of it, because in 2023, we also live in a time where informational warfare is such a big player in the struggle for democracy. So, so in that, in, in that way, I just think that not just would we maybe take some of the will away from the Georgian Green Party to keep suppressing protesters, we would actually maybe also induce a will in the Georgian population because then they would know what the ultimate aim were, which is to have an, a government that in a security, uh, in a, yeah, in, in, in an environment in which they are they have a security guarantee from the powers in the world that could actually, if they had the will, um, yeah, uh, hold up such a security guarantee, then, then that would be the environment in which they worked. So, so I just think that is something that we should, should do tomorrow, actually. And I think it's actually kind of, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, actually, um, but I think it's, it's just, um, it's a place where we should be. But um, the, the, I just think that the, the collective mind in Denmark, Germany, France, and so on, are just um, so far away from the collective mind in, in Georgia. And I think that comes down to us having lived through 30 years, more, more than 30 years, basically not having an external enemy, or at least imagining that we did not have an external enemy. So. I think we will get to that point in the future, but I just think keeps that if, if someone like me keeps saying it, and if that makes other people also say it more, that is also something that puts political pressure on our government. So I, so I think in that way, we can actually also, as Danish citizens, with our political rights in a democratic society, by keep by keeping to talk about this also, Help the Georgian struggle, um, and I know this is it gets a bit abstract, but politics are about hearts and minds, and it hearts and minds, and it's about people, and that's not a science, that's about feelings, and I think I think it works like I think it works like that um, ultimately, and yeah, I, I just if you want to, you can comment a bit on it, um, but otherwise, I think it, it would also be a great bridge. So yeah, so maybe if you can comment a bit on this and then, then afterwards go directly into the talking about the yeah, the history of Georgian activism uh, and so on because I think those two things are very re related. Yes, um, I agree what you said but uh, at the same time uh, Georgian uh, case is very good example of uh, uniqueness that we uh, have and that uh, should be taken into account by the international community as well. Um, 
we uh, are in a situation where there is uh, more than now more than 80% support towards um, the EU integration, uh, democracy, uh, protection of human rights and everything. And, um, and we have governments, governments, uh, we and uh, countries like us uh, have governments that uh, do not respond to that uh, popular cause. Um, whereas uh, um, for developed democracies, uh, like um, your country, that would be very unusual, right? That uh, uh, government is not responding to whatever uh, population's uh, interests are. Um, on the contrary, every developed democracy uh, asks first uh, for the opinion of people uh, with different uh, opinion, conducting opinion polls and other means, and then they, they are making either internal or uh, domestic or foreign policy decisions. Uh, this is the uh, different situation we have uh, uh, in Georgia, that we, uh, our population, um, supports uh, particular foreign policy and EU integration, uh, while government is not responding to it. And that, that this uh, uniqueness of the situation should be taken into account. It's very difficult, I understand, to uh, like set some uh, I don't know recipes or uh, particular um, particular outcomes. Uh, uh, to, to tell somebody what to do, but uh, um, this is uh, the context which, uh, in the first place, should be uh, taken taken into account. Um, as for the um, history of uh, civil society in Georgia, um, again, it, it uh, always was, you know, our independence started from the street protests um, back in... Um, 89 uh, and uh, uh, our civil society exactly not only um, I, I'm not talking about uh, military uh, or uh, defense forces etc our civil society was dying for independence was dying uh, for um, for better future and protected human rights and democratic values and we uh, we went through several wars we uh, our it's our society that was uh, losing uh, homes um, like myself losing territories even today uh, you you look at the border um, and this is this is um, yeah this is newer history you're talking about right now right after the the breakup of the yeah of the USSR. Oh, sorry, you are talking right now about newer wars, right? Yeah, because I think yeah, what you also have to understand um, about the Danish youth, for example, um, is that I talked to a twenty-year-old guy today from my work, and he didn't even knew Georgia. So, so I, I really think there is an um, yeah, that there is a point to be made about the fact that this is newer history in Georgia. Wars happened and. Yeah, many Danish people. I just, I just think they they don't realize that. So when you say we went through wars, um, which which I, you and all Georgians, of course, know what those wars were, but it's just not like that in, um, yeah, in Denmark. First, such um, uh, street protest which had uh, twenty one. Uh, 
um, the dead uh, protesters uh, was uh, exactly after uh, during this uh, process of dissolution of Soviet Union uh, and uh, Georgia gaining its independence back. Um, and afterwards, uh, afterwards, soon after, um, in 1992, uh, war in Abkhazia, which is still occupied, uh, and then uh, and this war in uh, 2008, um, um, and uh, um all this uh, um what i'm saying is that and the creeping occupation is still ongoing it's it's our, our everyday life even today right uh it's present we are talking about that uh, creeping op- occupation and people in uh, Mm, uh, in our, one of our regions um, today they live in Georgia and the next day uh, either their um, their um, uh, plots of land could uh, suddenly become on uh, on the territory uh, become territory of uh, uh, occupied by Russia they just moving border this um, uh, informal border to uh, so, like um, so suddenly, without any notice and anything, and without any um, war or something, and uh, um, or uh, there were occasions when houses, uh, homes of uh, Georgian um, citizens, were suddenly um, became suddenly occupied territory by Russia, and. Uh, um, we what uh, what we see is uh, um, it's our everyday life and uh, um, it's uh, civil society that is struggling either with creeping occupation every day or on the protest sometimes even dying sometimes losing their eyeballs and um, getting different injuries um, and. Uh, um, this is um, how civil society has been always uh, in Georgia. Um, it's it's a um, it's a vibrant civil society, uh, and uh, that's why we, we say that we are in, by our nature we are of democratic values. By our nature we are um, we demand uh, that our basic rights uh, be protected, um, and that's why we want to be part of West, not the uh, Russian. Uh, Russian uh, reality, which is a complete opposition of uh, what I just mentioned. Um, so yes, um, but um, but uh, because of uh, these threats, because um, because Russia is always uh, um, like putting uh, Georgia on Georgia pressure, um, trying to have uh, its own proxies in the government um, and um, with different uh, Russian propaganda, uh, spreading propaganda and uh, other means, they always hinder this process uh, and always uh, hinder Georgian civil society from getting where we want to be. Unfortunately, this is the context and the reality uh, from where um, international community should be looking at Georgia. And not, yes, I'm not saying that they are not looking uh, from this realm, but if we, we are talking about history and the power of civil society and the nature of civil society in Georgia, this is um, 
Uh, who we are. Mm. And and I just want to um, because we are reaching the end of what is going to be the first part because there is still some things that we um, haven't talked about. But we we are kind of in the middle of the structure that I said that I sent you. So so in that way, it actually fits perfectly that we um we are kind of heading towards the end now. But um yeah. So so the point that the point that I wanted to make also here before we um before we end is that oh sorry I'm I'm getting a bit tired and it was pretty but it was it was one of the things you did it were it was the things when you when you talk about us not showing the same attention that we maybe should it it it, it is pretty similar actually to some of the things that I were alluding to and I just want to yeah I want to get across the thought that I don't hold it against anyone in Denmark that they are not as active about this as I am or that they don't know as much about Georgian history, Ukrainian history, the history of the whole region or Soviet history and Russian the Russian Empire history as I do because these were just things that we never talked about or learned that much about in for example history or yeah society classes and now i have also studied political science at the university of copenhagen which is kind of yeah i guess the education you want to get into if you are someone who is interested in politics at least at least it is the one which have the highest demands and has the most prestige i guess and i just never learned anything about all those countries or about the history of those countries um as a part of all these classes so in that way i actually do not hold any young people responsible for this and i also yeah and people in in general but the people that i want to criticize are the ones that have had that have had the determining power in what we should study and i just think that although history for example is not a competition about focus in the end it kind of is anyways because there is only as much history you can teach in a society like denmark um because we of course need to focus on other stuff as well in order to keep sustaining these strong democratic societies which what what which is what in the end also makes us able to if we have the will to um yeah to to use the both the soft and hard power that we have to help populations like the georgian one and i i think that's a point that i want to kind of go out on today uh, and i would love to have you comment it after uh, as well and it's about positivity versus negativity when we talk about eastern europe and all these struggles actually also when we talk about taiwan for example which is a whole another case but i think you could ask almost any ukrainian and maybe also a lot of georgians about this and then they would tell you that what is going on in taiwan although being a different case is also very similar because that's also a situation in which a sovereign population is under threat 
from um, a former imperialist power that wants to take away the rights of that population. Um, again, a very different case because I think Taiwan, because of the security that they have been guaranteed by the United States for a long time, have had the possibility to develop their society in a very different climate. But, but anyways, it is two cases where um, a population, um, yeah, where, where, where that is, where a population is getting threatened, threatened by an autocratic brain power. But the, the point is about positivity and negativity that I maybe tend sometimes to drift, to drift into negativity because I have this critical view and think that more should be done. But although I do that, it is just very important when you look at it in a historical perspective to 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 take it to yeah to re remind yourself about where we are actually at today rather than where where we were after the second world war for example or even before the world uh, the, the first world war so a country like georgia for example as you said you had uh, you were under yeah soviet suppression for 70 years from the beginning of the 20s until the beginning of the 90s and you are in a it although all these problems are there where you are where you are where georgia is today and where the georgian population is today to me at least still seems like a way better place than they were during these 70 years and also if you look at it then in a broader european um, perspective and say all right how many europeans are free and live in democratic societies today compared to for the middle of the 1980s we are in a so much better place and that is also at least to me something that sets into perspective the how can you say it um uh, the balance in the struggle between autocratic powers and democratic powers in europe we have way more possibilities today than we did during the Cold War, for example, because let's say Europe wants to help. Because okay, it is it's going to be a bit of abstract again, but that's uh, that's also how how I am uh, as a person and how I, how I think, and I think it comes down to the fact that I see everything as politics. So so to me, nothing is not politics because everything is about people, and people are about hearts and minds and politics are about people so in that way everything is actually politics at least when you look at it um, like i do and and the matter of the fact is that during the ussr there were still that is at least my understanding there were actually although all that suppression happened there were a, a wish in the georgian population actually and it was suppressed so therefore maybe it's, it's difficult to talk about but i think that there would have been um, yeah, a wish to become democratic also in 1950, for example, and also before the First World War. Um, maybe not democratic as we understand democracies today, but at, at least the wish of the majority of the Georgian population was not to live under Russian suppression, Russian imperialism or Soviet imperialism. It was to live as an independent, independent country, which showed dignity towards their population. And during the Cold War, it would have been impossible for us, uh, NATO and so on, to ever get to help 
Georgia um, back then because of the broader balance in uh, the international um, in the international system, and that is just also a whole a very different place today, where actually Georgia, although it lies under Russia and therefore is not directly connected to the EU, like Ukraine could be. That is just a country where we can actually go in and use our soft power to promote what you are working for in Georgia. And it, it is not to say that we should be the ones who, who comes and does that, but it is just to say that we have a very different possible possibility to help today. And I think that is just an encouraging encouraging thought. And I just want to um, yeah go out with that for today. And then, um, yeah, if, if we go, we are a bit over time now, but um, but I, I would love for you to comment a bit on, on that as well, because I think a lot of people tend to think a little bit in um, AI negative lines because these t- topics are so serious and are so, um, yes, yeah, it's just so huge, right? Yeah, you know, um, on a positive side, of course, there are so much more opportunities uh, because of this um, European um, uh, European um, rules-based um, communities created, which um, was not uh, existent uh, before the, for example, Second World War. Um, this um, gives, uh, first of all, this gives uh, uh, power to European countries uh, to act as a whole and to unite their efforts and the the, uh, support you were mentioning uh, um, comes from there, right? Uh, No single country can uh, um, support another country uh, as as much and as well as united Europe uh, would be able. So the, the, if we, uh, we look at this as a, um, as a as an opportunity, it's it's very positive thing that that this opportunity even exists uh, because there were times in Georgian history, for example, that uh, uh, we even before uh, I, I don't know centuries ago uh, in 17th, 18th centuries even. Uh, tried to get closer to Europe in order to defend ourselves from Russian influence. And um, it was not possible. Um, now it is possible. Uh, of course we want more. Of course we want, um, want more, uh, of course we want more, but uh, yes, if we are talking about the positive side of this, um, it's, it's very promising that this kind of thing exists. And um, also uh, um, we, we we want uh, sometimes we want to we say that we need uh, more support we uh, need more um, even financial support uh, and uh, political support and everything but uh, ultimately we understand that um, we need to do our homework as well right uh, it's not it's nothing comes without us doing our homework. Uh, support is very important. Support is uh, really appreciated, but uh, our homework is there, and we should be doing it. That's what uh, Georgian civil society does, and uh, um, our homework uh, 
um, when we ask for the support, it does not mean that we are not doing our homework. And uh, this is the reason why we are asking for the support. Uh, we, we, uh, I think uh, the, even the international community now is uh, aware and can, uh, can identify that uh, um, Georgian society is doing its best uh, to to remain uh, democratic, to strengthen its democracy, and to uh, to become deserved member of the European Community. So I think that that's a good way to end the first part of our conversation, and then I will just um, yeah, besides that by saying that this is now the end of a conversation with, and can you say your name here just so we uh, get the pronunciation as well? Ekaterina Tsimakurita. I want to um, yeah, do the, those pronunciations as good as possible, but I also sometimes think, why am I so interested in Eastern Europe? <laughs> because that is, yeah, then I just have to, uh, yeah, uh, but I just have to get better. <laughs> so that will be uh, the last words for part one. That was the conversation with Ekaterin Simakuritze. I think what really stands out from the conversation is how strong the wish for a democratic society and a free society is in the Georgian population. And then on the flip side of that, also how willing the Georgian government is to suppress that wish and the peaceful work that is being carried out by people like Ekaterin, how willing they are to suppress that work with violence. Also, I really want to thank the participant in the conversation, Ekaterin Simakuritze, again, especially for the fact that she was able to participate with a very short notice which made it possible for us to keep up our consistency is key concept also this week. And then I also want to thank the producer, Frederik Wagner, once again for doing the work behind the scenes with me. Hey!